Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Maintenance Disrupted. This is your co-host, Blair Fraser, speaking. And this week, we once again bring you shorter podcasts from the upcoming Lubrication and Reliability Virtual Summit taking place on September 14th and 15th. Time is quickly running out. This week, we focus on sustainability. We interview two people from FluidTech. The first is Pierre Vanderkellen the CEO of FluidTech, where we talk and dive a little deeper into sustainability. And what we talk about is not just the economic issues of sustainability, but also the social and environment side of sustainability and why does it matter. And the second interview is with Greg Livingstone, the Chief Innovation Officer of FluidTech, and continuing on with FluidTech's mission for sustainability when it comes to lubrication. Greg and I talk first about learning from benchmarking turbine or turbine oils. It's essentially a time-lapse view. It's what happened to oils when they're in service. What was very interesting and to find out was how turbine oil degrades, what chemistries provide optimum performance and hints to the future of turbine oil formulations. Second, we talk about the introduction of ICML's new Varnus certification. What Greg talks about is summaries of a body of knowledge for each certification and provides hints on how to successfully attain this certification. I hope you enjoy this discussion with two thought leaders in the lubrication space from FluidTech. Pierre, thank you for coming on the Maintenance Disrupted podcast. Thank you uh, for inviting me, Blair. Yeah, and Pierre, before we get into your topic, which uh, intrigues me around sustainability, can you give our our listeners a little bit of background on yourself and and FluidTech? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a nuclear engineer by by trade. That's how I started. Um, and as you can imagine, a nuclear power plant has quite high standards in terms of um, maintenance and reliability. So that's how I um, started my career. Um, and then I um, so I moved within the same company. Uh, nowadays, they are called NG to the uh, renewable um, energy section. So I did a bit of um, other types of uh, of energies. Um, then I did a break, um, MBA in, in Barcelona, uh, just two fantastic years of my life. And then after that, I joined Fluitech. And um, I've been with Fluitech since 2009. I've really um, grown through the ranks um, and I've seen different uh, positions within, uh, within Fluitech. And Fluitech is, um, is a company that um, is helping um, all lubricant and hydraulic users to keep these fluids in good condition. So uh, lengthening the life, the performance. Um, so it really touches all sorts of equipment. We usually deal with very large equipments, but we also go from, uh, you know, to very little pumps as well. Um, yeah, that's about it. Excellent. And obviously you're on this podcast as, as part of our um, media coverage with the Lubrication and Reliability Virtual Summit, where we're, we're interviewing the majority of the speakers that are presenting and, and it's interesting as I'm going through these and we're getting a little bit closer, I think there's 11 days left at the time of recording <laughs> to register for this event. Um, so time's coming down and we first started talking about this. It seems so far away and it's hard to believe that summer's coming to an end, mm-hmm. I guess, depending on which which hemisphere of the world you're listening to this on. Um, mm-hmm. It is coming up so quick. And what I found is, first of all, these podcasts were, were meant to be very short and and 
the topics have been so interesting that they've you know went to 20 minutes, 30 minutes, sometimes even longer. But just the amount of speakers is I can't fit them all in the schedule unless I release a couple of them a day. So it's this this event is ending up being such a uh, a who's who of sharing knowledge of of you know bringing mm-hmm. people together, um, and which is fantastic and. You know, a lot of the topics are around, you know, lubrication and reliability and not to say yours isn't because it actually has a big play in it, but what you are going to present about is, is around sustainability. Yeah. Can you give us yeah, a little can more? You tell me more about the- yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. You beat me to the question. <laughs> yeah. So now we are super proud. Uh, it's the second year we do this, uh, this event and, um, um, you met Josh, Josh Wagner, our director of marketing, and uh, we spoke about this for a long time. And in the past, we had in-person, uh, in-person conferences, uh, Lubrication Academy. And um, COVID um, came along and uh, we, um, like everybody, we, um, we wanted to, um, to readjust and we thought, well, why don't we, you know, completely change this? And uh, instead of in-person, we do it virtual. But then we are going to open that to all sorts of um, aspects of, um, of lubrication and reliability. Um, and there are so many different facets you can look at um, that typically are a little bit overlooked that people don't discuss. Um, so we wanted to have, you know, gender parity. We wanted to have uh, sustainability. We want to have really the hardcore, um, you know, geek stuff, uh, which is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, it needs to be there. Um, a lot of case studies, experiences, and so on. So it, it, it's really becoming a very rich event where um, people can join and they don't need to have a technical background. Of course, most of them have. Um, but you will always find something interesting, I think, in the in the event. Um, you know, it's a two-day show. And, um, well, and I'm presenting on sustainability. Um, you know, Flutec is has always been, since day one, um, a big advocate of uh, sustainability. And let's, you know, try to use these lubricants and these fluids as long as we can treat them as an asset and not as a consumable. So there's, we see really three main aspects that are important uh, whenever we deal with these things is one, technology. Um, two is return on investment for the client, of course, for us as well. But three is sustainability. And um, luckily, it is more and more coming into the equation when people um, decide on, um, on you know who to work with, what to do internally, and so on. So Sustainability is a vast topic and, you know, we won't be able to cover it in 10 minutes or 20 minutes, but then I will have a short presentation in the event and it will just be, uh, you know, uh, touching, uh, scratching the the surface. But in essence, without revealing too much, um, when you look at sustainability first, a definition of sustainability is the ability to maintain a certain rate or level. And today, um, as we all know, and we see this in the media and so on, and uh, we are not there yet. Um, we have been pushing production, consumption, um, everything to the limit. Um, the world population is growing as well at the same time. So it needs to be balanced. And when you look at a tree, a tree is never uh, growing only on one side. You need to have a, a balanced uh, weight on both ends. Otherwise, the trees will, will not grow or we will fall. Well, the same is here with uh, with us um, as human beings. We have a big responsibility, and um, there is sustainability from an environmental perspective, ethical perspective, as well as you know philanthropic and economic. 
Um, we, we will discuss that in the in the event LRVS. Um, of course, we'll also briefly um, explain the 17 United Nations um, Sustainable Development Goals to um, to show how that fits into the the picture. Um, so yeah, that's that's a little bit about um, without revealing too much, uh, <laughs> Blair. No, that's that's great, and it's such an interesting topic because the reality is, you know, when we think about lubrication, we we, we you know the, the sustainability part is typically the, you know the the um, monetary cost and things like that are often mm -hmm. at, at the forefront, <laughs> right? So looking at it from what mm -hmm. you define as a social, economic, and environmental aspect, and you said something. Mm -hmm that, um, you know, I'd never thought of it that way is look at lubrication as an asset and not a cost center. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that fundamentally is a different way of viewing it. And I automatically go back to ISO 55,000 and what defines an ISO 55,000, the, the asset management standard by ISO. And mm -hmm. It defines, and I, I might butcher this a little bit, but I think you'll get the concept. It defines a an asset as anything that has potential or current or perceived value, right? And and <laughs> lubrication does do that. So it, it really is an asset, but it is, and it's oh, yeah. different than we see in maintenance. Like maintenance is typically viewed as a cost center, right? We have to change mm -hmm. that way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Yes, and um. You know, lubricants are there since uh, day one, and um, you know, Roman times uh, they were using sort of olive oil to uh, to lubricate um, you know their, their little cars, <laughs> um, and it will remain there. You will always need lubricants, um, but the technology has evolved, and technology is now able to to prolong the life and to really treat that um, almost as if it's the blood of the machine. Um, and you as a human being, you, you, you know, you can do lots of things. If you're sick, um, there's lots of things you can do. Um, you can take vitamins, you can, um, you can have a dialysis. There's many things that can be done. Well, we believe that, you know, the same applies here to, um, to lubricants. And, um, for all your listeners, because you have, I'm sure listeners all around the world and, um, most of them will have some ties with, uh, with maintenance. It's also, um, a way to be so proud of what they are doing and to give a lot of nobility to to their role um it's unfortunately um in many companies it's um you know in the past it was not seen as a very important uh, aspect but um it is more and more and each one of us can play a role and i i believe that this is also a good thing to remember um every little um action will count um so yeah, this this is what we try to to um, you know to boost everybody here and to um, so that people have a purpose um, in 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 using uh, you know maintenance as a way to um, to a better sustainability. Exactly, and you know what really caught my attention as well is when you bring it back to thinking about lubrication as an asset and the fact that it's never going to go away. Technology is going to change. But what thinking about it, in my opinion, what an asset when you when you treat it as an asset and you look at the sustainability is often I find and I'm I'm very good at forgetting about this part is is there's the initial cost and there's the the maintenance and operations of it. But asset management gets to teach you the principles from you know what they would call cradle to grave. So the minute you purchase it to the minute you have to throw it out, even and as I'm sure you're very aware, is is just mm -hmm. the, the cost of proper disposal 
of, of old Greece, mm-hmm. right? And how mm-hmm. that comes into treating it like an asset. And of course, the sustainability mm-hmm. part from an environment part as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Sure. No, sure. And then, and, 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 you know, to be honest, there's still so much that um, can be done and that we are going to do. Um, it's a collective effort, but um, we are not there yet. There's so much extra that can be done. Um, and it's important to um, to look at that because the, the proportion of the percentage of lubricants that end up somehow in, in the nature um, is gigantic. I don't have the numbers here in front of me, but we don't speak about 2%. We speak about, you know, mm. double digit numbers. Um, you know, so it's, it's quite interesting to, um, to look at that as, uh, we speak a lot about plastics and, and other things that we find back in the environment, but, but, um, the same is true with, uh, with other products, um, that are made by humans. Absolutely. And I guess, and, and I still have a long career left and hopefully a lot of uh, life left on this spinning rock, but, uh, my kids and grandkids are going to thank people like you that are on the forefront of this sustainability from an economical, social, and environmental piece. Mm-hmm. So I hope mm-hmm. a lot of people will will take away and, and get inspired from, from your presentation. Mm, thank you. That's the idea for sure. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you, Pierre, for your time. It is, it's always appreciated and look forward to hearing you at the uh, Lubrication and Reliability Virtual Summit taking place on September 14th and 15th. Yes, please go on our website, register, and um, and we'll uh, we'll see you there. Thank you so much. Excellent. Thank you, Pierre. Well, I hope you enjoyed our short interview with Pierre on sustainability. Don't stop listening yet. Up next, we have Greg, where we talk about turbine oil and the new ICML certification. Hey, good afternoon, Greg. Welcome to the Maintenance Disrupted podcast. Thanks so much, Blair. Pleasure to be here. Well, Greg, um, we have you on as part of our partnership with the Lubrication and Reliability Virtual Summit. We're, we're, we're speaking, you know, albeit briefly, um, with some of the presenters that are going to present at this conference. And you have two very interesting topics you're going to talk about at the com- upcoming uh, Lubrication and Reliability Virtual Summit. And to be quite honest, they are two topics I know very, very little about. So I'm very interested to hear more about these topics and what what the attendees can get away or take away from your presentations. But first, Greg, if you don't mind just giving a quick introduction of who you are, what you do, who you work for. Sure. Yes. So um, Greg Livingstone with Fluitech. I've been working at Fluitech for 14 years um, and have been in the industrial lubricant space for uh, my whole career. Um, Fluitech is somewhat of an innovative company in the in the industrial lubricant space. Um, our focus is really on sustainability, and uh, we're the first um, the first company in our space to be a certified B corporation. And our mission is: what can we do to extend or maximize the life of indus- industrial lubricants, and ultimately? potentially even hit, uh, you know, have lubricants that are filled for life um, where users don't actually have to change. So that's that's what Flowtech does. Um, my role at Flowtech, I'm chief innovation officer and, uh, um, and uh, which allows me to interact with our customers. We have customers in over a hundred countries um, and, uh, and that's what I love more than anything. I think being working with our clients on on some of their issues that they're having in the field and and figuring out ways that we can help solve those. It, it's a a beautiful opportunity you have, and and I think uh, you know 
to work anywhere in any space on innovation is, is just a, a privilege for anyone to do that. So I think a, a few of us are a little jealous of what you get to do on a day-to-day basis, Greg. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so your first, your first topic, um, turbine oils generally fail through oxidation and or the development of varnish, which actually leads us into the second topic around the certification around varnish and deposit identification. But I want to focus on the first one. So this idea that turbine oil generally fails through oxidation and or development of varnish. What does that mean? Well, so what we find in the industry is that most people, when they are going to select what type of turbine oil to buy, they typically, unfortunately, one of the first criteria they look at is, hey, what's what's cheapest, um, which is not a very good criteria. And the second thing they may do is actually pull up uh, different data sheets from uh, from the competitive products that they're looking to to um, investigate buying and try to compare them and see if they can glean from that if there's kind of any performance um, a benefit with one formulation over the other. Both of those uh, methods of selecting turbine oils are. Are, are really problematic um, because there is actually not a correlation to um, the, ty- the uh, type of oil or what's actually on the data sheet or the price of the oil and the performance. And, and turbine oils are really, really critical um, in critical applications. They are used, uh, you know, obviously for all of our uh, power generation um, from hydro to steam powered or, or nuclear or gas turbines all rely on, on um, you know, turbine oil, creating this tiny, tiny film of oil that is uh, what's basically what is um, stopping these, um, these uh, fuel sources from actually being turned into electrons and, and giving us power. So it's, it's obviously very, very critical in the power generation space, but turbine oils are also used in compressors and really critical compressor applications in, in refineries and in petrochemical and, and chemical plants. So in virtually all of the applications that turbine oils are in, they're really critical. And uh, so it, it makes sense maybe to have a different criteria for selecting your turbine oils other than maybe comparing different spec sheets or looking at the price. Um, so what we've done at Fluitech is come up with a, a way to benchmark different turbine oil formulations. And so we loosely call this the turbine oil performance prediction test or the, the top test. We've been running this test for, um, for over 10 years, and we've tested many, many, many different formulations on the market. I don't want to say everyone, but many, many different formulations. And Blair, I'll tell you, one of the, the first really interesting findings from this is that, um, you know, you would expect that turbine oils would all perform somewhat similarly. Um, Turbine oils, for the most part, are 99% base oil and less than 1% additive. So you just have a a tiny sliver of additive, and that sliver is predominantly made up of antioxidants. So they're pretty similar. I mean, they're much more similar than than oil formulations. I wouldn't expect much difference as long as you they're sticking not. to that 99% and 1%. Yeah. Yeah. But something yeah. tells me you might've found something that contradicts that thinking. There's a big difference. Wow. <laughs> so, so, and uh, I would say a huge difference in, in um, different formulations. And, uh, and the interesting thing is, and I think some of the things that I'll present about, or maybe some of the, the counterintuitive findings that we have um, that we have come across. So, 
you know, one of the, the most obvious one is that, hey, the, the price of the oil and actually what's listed on the spec sheet is not related to the performance of the product. Um, so that's, that's uh, I, I may be, maybe somewhat obvious, but some of the more counterintuitive findings that we've seen are that, you know, you would expect that if you have a, since 99% of the formulation is base oil, you would expect if you have a higher quality base oil, a more highly refined base oil, that should give you better performance. Correct. Not necessarily so. Mm. So that's another counterintuitive um, finding that we've had through this. So overall, I, I think we've had, we've identified many things that are a little bit unique and, and turbine oils and how they fail. And, uh, and so by going through and kind of do, doing some benchmark testing like this, it really gives you a lot of insight to what formulation may work best and, uh, and what form, what differences are in, in between different formulations. You have a hundred percent piqued my interest. I don't own a turbine. I, <laughs> I I've walked along beside a, <laughs> a lot of them, uh, yeah. but that is so interesting. Anybody that uh, maintains, operates, designs turbines, I think that's going to be a, a home run for them for sure. And then how that flows into the ICML's new varnish certifications. And this is your second topic that you're going to be talking about. Yeah. What so did, what I, did ICML bring to us? Uh, well, so ICML is uh, is one of the leading bodies in the world for um, for developing standards and and tests uh, for the certainly for the lubricant industry. And uh, so they have developed a wide range of different certifications. They've just released two new um, what they're referring to as badges and uh, all around varnish. So the one's called the Varnish and Deposit Identification and Measurement Badge, um, also abbreviated as the VIM badge. And the other is the Varnish and Deposit Prevention and Removal or the VPR badge. And these are really unique, I think. These are the first badges that ICML is, has introduced. And, uh, and I think out of any topic um, for ICML to kind of focus on to, um, to release uh, you know, these, these certifications or these badges, I think Varnish is a really interesting one um, because as I, I just inferred in, in uh, talking about the last or the, the other presentation I'm doing, a lot of things about varnish are not obvious. And uh, so, and a lot of people suffer from varnish. It's, it's one of the leading causes in rotating equipment on why fluids fail. And um, you would expect that if it's a fairly leading, you know, a leading cause, um, one of the primary reasons that you may have a, a turbine trip or a fail to start condition is due to varnish in oils. These are extremely expensive events. You would expect that there would be a lot of knowledge about this, but in reality, actually, we're still kind of in our infancy and, and understanding uh, uh, varnish formation. And uh, so I, I think it's phenomenal that ICML has put together these, these badges. And uh, so I'm gonna be talking a little bit about what these badges are and, uh, um, and you know, taking a test for a badge I would say is maybe not the most exciting topic. However, I am going to be talking about some of the uh, lesser known facts about varnish that, that people may not uh, know about, uh, you know, if, if certainly if they've never studied this topic before. Exactly. And I think that's the key is, is, you know, diving a little deeper into what body of knowledge is required to attain that badge. Right. Yes. Which, I, which I think is, is fantastic. Certification itself you know, it's not necessarily anything sexy, but definitely acquiring it is to have those credentials 
um, you know, showing that you understand varnish and, and just the importance of it, um, it becomes a lot more appealing when you think about the potential outcome of achieving that type of certification and badge, right. Then the, yeah. the doll process of actually going through and do it. But of course that's, and that's, that's really why we're doing this lubrication reliability virtual summit is to educate, right. The whole intent is to educate and drive more people to be more knowledgeable or share their knowledge around lubrication and reliability. And Greg, you are a great example of that. And even though I, you know, I don't live in the varnish world. I don't live in the oil world. I can, I understand, I definitely understand the importance of it from a, from a reliability point of view. The one thing I appreciate Greg is your passion for this. It bleeds out of you, uh, even just in, in audio format and, uh, uh, you know, kudos to you for that. Um, I think your presentations, if, if, you do it the exact same way we're having this conversations. You're going to bring a lot of excitement and passion and experience into both those topics. So really, really look forward to it. Oh, thank you. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and, and the event itself also, oh my goodness, there are some fantastic papers. I'm, I'm, you know, I, it's, it's, it's nice to be able to present. Um, but really I am more excited to be able to listen in on, uh, on some of the other presenters that, uh, that will be there. I, I think it's going to be just fantastic. And, it is. It, it's, it's, you know, my name's up there cause I'm presenting as well. And I'm like, no, like, don't, don't put me out there. I, I can't, I can't be in the same category as, as these fantastic speakers and experts in this space. Right. Um, and it keeps on getting better. Right. And, and, you know, what I was just, uh, we just did a quick podcast with Cliff Williams this morning. And what we were talking about was it's not just the presentations itself. That is, is yes, that is a lot of tremendous value, but it's everything that's built around this conference, the, the, the breakout rooms, the interactions, both before and during the conference. Right. And the reason I say that is, you know, I went through a little bit and it's hard to believe I'm saying this now because I haven't been doing conference in over 18 months, but um, conference fatigue, right. Where, you know, you walk in, you sit down and, and I was finding a lot of the value was really supported when you got out of that presentation, you had a chance to digest it and talk a little more with the speaker or other people in the room Right. And I think that's what this conference is going to allow us to do is not only gather the information from experts like you, Greg, but pick your brain after and share thoughts. Right. Both both before and, at, and during the, the event. Yeah, you're exactly right, Blair. I mean, sitting through presentations at conferences, I always learn things. It's always interesting. But then if you have a chance to chat with the speaker afterwards, I mean, that's when all sorts of interest. And then there, sometimes there may be, you know, a group of people that are standing around uh, wanting to chat with the speaker after after the presentation. I tell you, I, I typically learn more from those those interactions and discussions than uh, than the actual presentation. That's right. You can get a little more meat off the bone, if you will, when you start to dive a little deeper about your specific situation or your, or your questions. And be honest with you, some sometimes things can't be said in a public manner either. They can be more directed one-on-one, right? Um, true. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, thank you again, Greg, for, for bringing your knowledge and expertise to the Lubrication and Reliability Virtual Summit taking place on September 14th and 15th. And for you listeners out there, there is still time to register. Hurry up and get in. Thank you once again, Greg. Thanks so much, Blair. All right.